Welcome to The Spin Cycle. I'm Maggie Sarachek. And I'm Abby Greenberg. And together we are the Anxiety Sisters. Anxiety Sisters, and welcome to our show. Today, we're having another BFF cast, which is when we are our own guests. We tend to use that format when we have a tricky topic that requires our particular Anxiety Sisters expertise. So today, we will be talking about holiday anxiety, which we are definitely experts in, right, Mags? Right, absolutely. (laughs) According to our anxiety calendars, Holiday anxiety starts rearing its head sometime between Halloween and the end of daylight savings time. You know, when suddenly somehow it's November and every commercial on TV has like sleigh bells jingling and Santas are ho-ho-hoing and you know it's coming. Yeah, we think this year is going to be really stressful. Last year we sort of had a pass on some (laughs) of the the anxiety, you know, because most holiday gatherings were canceled. So... I was very pleased to hear the news that there would be no holiday gatherings. I know that makes me sound like a Scrooge or a Grinch, but I definitely have that holiday anxiety thing. Yep, that that Zoom holiday thing sort of worked out for many of us. But now it's 2021 and we're going back to our gatherings, many of us. And uh, we have a lot of anxiety about going back out there. Yeah, according to me and Mags, <laughs> the causes of holiday anxiety, um, there's a lot of them, obviously, but here's the top culprits in our minds. Uh, money, right? Because, you know, now we're expected to be buying gifts for everybody and traveling again and all that sort of stuff. And so it gets very costly. And then travel is mm-hmm. very anxiety provoking. Even in a year when there's not a pandemic, travel is exhausting and anxiety provoking even for the hardiest travelers during holiday time, because what do they say? Like Thanksgiving, that Wednesday before Thanksgiving is the most traveled day of the whole year. And we know a lot of anxiety sisters already have a lot of anxiety around driving and flying. And right now the flying situation is really rough. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then of course, around holidays, we definitely re-experience grief and loss You know, we're missing people that aren't with us anymore. We still haven't had time to adequately grieve for the people we lost during the pandemic. So there's just a lot of that mixed in there uh, for many anxiety sisters. And, And then, of course, on top of all that, we've got these family gatherings which for many of us is a mixed bag, right? So on one hand, we're, we're really happy to see some of our family members that live far away from us and we're, we're thrilled to get together with them, especially if we haven't seen them since before the pandemic. But then we've got those, those difficult family members. Do you have any of those, Max? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, you know what? Here, here's the thing. And this is different for different anxiety sisters because some people feel like they have a couple of different Um, difficult family members. And some people feel like the stress of the family, you know, possibly there's a lot of difficult people in the family, or just the stress of everyone together is very difficult. Families run the gamut in complications from annoying and anxiety provoking to, to really difficult. 
And you can't just get rid of them. They're your family members. And and they're also connected with the other people you care about. So there's Well, that is a that's a big one. Like because someone actually wrote us about how she, you know, has chosen to keep her mother out of her life. But during these big holidays, her mother is there with the other family members who she very much wants to see. Right. I mean, there's that rippling effect. You know, one dynamic affects the other dynamic. It's a dance the whole family does. It's very difficult. And then add in this year, add in, you know, our worries about COVID still. Right. And, and like families with some people who are more worried than others and some people more vulnerable than others. And it's a recipe for anxiety. Yes. So today on our show, we are going to talk about some things, some real concrete things, because you know we're nothing if not practical, uh, some things you can do to help you manage these, these difficult gatherings. That's, that's yes. what we're going for. We're not unrealistic. We're not saying it's going to be fantastic, but we're going for somewhat manageable. Of course, Abby and I are not above the, I've got the stomach flu or pink eye kind of thing to get out of some family gatherings, but once you've done that a couple of times, you can't really do it again. So if you say it's chronic, you can. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but uh, we're certainly not above that. But, you know, this is for the years where you where you, where you can't or don't want to quite do that. So what should we start with, Max? I don't know. Where do you think we should start? Let's start with the family member. My, I guess my number one tip over the years is, has been this. Embrace the certainty of your family member's behavior. In other words, don't, don't let it be a surprise. If you have Uncle Herbie who always makes comments about, I don't know, your tight jeans when you walk in the door, don't be shocked when Uncle Herbie does it again. He's going to do it yeah. every year, right? And so it's amazing to me how many of us don't prepare for what's very predictable, And other people's bad behavior is very often predictable. Yeah. I mean, because when people write us and, and I have to say, we do this too. So I don't, I'm not putting us above anyone, but but when people write us, they always tell us the scenario that is going to happen. My mother is going to do this, or my kids are going to fight. My adult children are going to fight or, you know, any of the things that happen in our families time after time again. And yet for most of us, when we walk into the situation, it feels unexpected and fresh. Right. And that unexpected nature, we know uncertainty triggers anxiety. Mm -hmm. So one thing we want to do to help us maybe not trip up so much anxiety in our brains is to know ahead of time. I mean, I have to tell you what I've done. You know me, I'm kind of goofy, but I've actually made a bingo card of all Mm -hmm. the things that I can expect various family members to do. And I got to tell you, I I, I get a small thrill in the middle of the party when I go bingo and nobody knows what I'm talking about. But right. I mean, but it does help. It helps for me to know that, oh, this family member is going to be talking nonstop about politics and get everybody all riled up. And this person is going to be criticizing everything I've ever done in my whole life. And this person, so in other words, you, you prepare for it. You actually, so when it happens, you can almost chuckle to yourself and say, aha, I knew it. Right, right. So that in your head, you know, the things that are likely to happen and it just gives you a chance to feel less surprised. And a lot of the anxiety is around that surprise. 
Right. You end up with much more control when you can predict something. So have at it. The night before the holiday party, figure out who the characters are and what they're all going to be doing. And it actually, it can make it a little lighter too. If, you know, if- It can make it lighter. And it also could give, it also gives you a chance to reflect when you're not in the fight, flight, or freeze, because if someone is bothering you, you go into fight, flight, or freeze often, right? right? And when you're not in that fight, flight, or freeze, it gives you a chance to reflect of how, how you want to handle the situation. Do you just want to let that comment pass? Is there something you need to say for yourself? Right. You can decide in advance how you want to handle anybody's particular behavior. And then once you're with these, some of these difficult people, clearly avoiding the triggering subjects always a good idea. I mean, I always say, don't talk about politics, religion, or money. Yeah. Which basically leaves you with, you know, talking about either squid games or sex. That's pretty much <laughs> all that's left after that. But I mean, I, I just feel like it's okay at a holiday party to not have a deep, meaningful discussion. Because you're going to think about this in advance, you can also sort of bring out your empathy for some of the people. Like what is making someone act the way they're acting? You know, it's just a different perspective. I know anxiety sisters tend to have a lot of empathy already. Right. I mean, these people that behave a certain way, it it comes from a place of suffering very often. It comes from a place of woundedness. I mean, and it may be, and and, and by the way, this may be too much to ask of yourself and then don't. But if you can, if you can exercise some empathy, uh, what I try to, I, I give it a shot. I give the empathy a shot. And if the person just it goes too far in the empathy, I, I'm done with it. Then I just imagine them in a, in a giant diaper sucking on a pacifier because then I'm like, right, they're, they're a big baby. I mean, if this person is really abusive to you, then you don't need to go to the empathy place. Right. That's okay. Right. You know, so we're, we're saying empathy for the mildly annoying. Right. Not for really empathy abusive. for abuse. By, right. By any means. Or and we're certainly not saying to go forgiving anybody. In other words, we're not yeah. requir- we're not requiring any of these actions. What we're saying is it might be easier on you if somebody is just mild to moderate anxiety provoking. Try to think of it's like this this person, the reason that, you know, he always talks about himself nonstop and never asks anybody a question about themselves is because he's just so insecure. I mean, you know, that right. Um, as a communication professor or ex-communication professor, I'm always big into advising people to use I statements as opposed to you statements. I statements do not put people on defense. When you say you, it's almost like you're pointing a finger at someone. And so mm-hmm. unwittingly, you could put someone in a defensive posture just right. by using the word you. So I would just say that if the, if there's a tricky gathering, use I statements. I feel this way. I am this way. You know, I. That way you're not going to offend anybody else by expressing your view. Right. So you're not saying you're being an idiot. Right. You're saying, you know, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I think you're an idiot. No, I'm just <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but yes, when when you use the word "you" as the beginning of the sentence, then it's think, think of it as pointing a finger, and right. we all hate the pointy finger, right? We all hate that sort of judgmental stuff. So, and we all do it. We're all human, so we all do it, whether we mean to or not. That's just a good tip, just to kind of keep things in the "I" statement. Yes, absolutely. It is a very good tip. Okay, so that sort of all falls under the rubric of sort of the other person in the room or the other people in the room. But let's talk about us, the very the person and most important, which is you. We believe very strongly in putting your own well-being first. 
Absolutely. And that is connected to understanding and recognizing the situation you're walking into, right? So that you have a plan of how to manage it for yourself. For example, recognizing your own anxiety response, recognizing fight, flight, or fawn. Or freeze. And tell us a little about that fawn response. Uh, The fawn response is when we find ourselves sort of sacrificing our own needs to please others and it and it is a it's an actual response to being under stress. In other words, it's our amygdala has misfired. We are feeling anxiety, and so we are people pleasing sometimes excessively to soothe our anxiety. And that's not necessarily true of everyone. We're not saying that if you compliment someone on a nice dress that you're fawning. But I know that I particularly fawn when I'm anxious. I start to really really seek approval and please people, often to my own detriment. I overcommit mm-hmm. to things, that kind of stuff. So, so just recognize what your own behaviors are telling you. I mean, you know, it's pretty easy to spot a fight or flight response, right? We know that feeling mm. of, oh my God, I want to kill this person. We get that. And we also know the response of, I want to get out of here. So those two are fairly obvious. But freezing, which is sort of when you feel paralyzed or like you're zoning out or you're trapped, that feeling and the fawning thing of, of, of actually, you know, sort of tripping over yourself to please others, even at your own expense, those two responses are not as talked about in the mm-hmm. literature or in uh, amongst professionals. So those are anxiety responses. So just kind of check in with yourself and see if whatever you might be doing is indeed an anxiety response. It's an excellent well- information. What kinds of things are sort of fawning behaviors in this situation? Like, could you give us an example of something you might have done at one point? You know, helping in the kitchen nonstop, not eating anything or whatever, just spending all my time cleaning in the kitchen, trying to please whoever's hosting the party. I mean, that's just an example. People write us all the time saying, like, I'm really not in the mode to be, you know, making Thanksgiving or making Christmas. but everyone expects me to do this, this, and this. And it's like, I have to, you know, and, and realizing, yeah, sometimes it's good to push yourself to carry on traditions. And then sometimes it's okay to say to your adult children or to say to someone else, you know, if I'm going to host, I need this, this, and this, right? Like you don't have to be the one who does everything all the time. Right. I mean, some things that are, that can be fawning are if you overcommit. If something doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or should be doing, then don't do it. It's okay to say, no, I can't. Uh, don't, don't force yourself to play a role that you're uncomfortable with. A lot of us become the family mediator or the, the soother or the pleaser or whatever it is, the person who, who handles all the conflicts between family members. If you're not comfortable in that role, don't do it. That's good. That's a really good example of fawning too. I have to save the family, you know? Right. You don't. You don't have that's don't. not your that's not your job. Another thing is give yourself permission to leave. If you are recognizing that your anxiety is escalating and it is not good for your mental well-being to be in that place anymore, then it's time to honor what you are being mm-hmm. by your body and mind. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean you have to storm out and slam a door. It could be something as simple as, oh, I have this terrible headache. I think I'm going to have to go. Exactly. And sometimes if you are in a situation with someone who is really abusive, it is okay to say, this is not behavior that's comfortable for me. Right. Using our I statements, you know. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with this. this yes. 
don't say you're making me uncomfortable. It says, I am, I am uncomfortable with what you're saying. Right. That, that way you are, you know, you're, you're setting your boundary, but you're not putting anyone else in a defensive posture. We talk about this nonstop, but self-compassion, you need to talk to yourself very soothingly about these types of gatherings. I, I mean, I find myself having a whole conversation with myself on the car ride over. This is really hard. You've always find this hard. Sometimes you leave with your feelings hurt. So, you know, I understand this is really challenging. This is a really tough thing. And, and I'm there for you. You know, be there for yourself. I think because part of that whole thing is that we have this expectation every year that, you know, our holiday celebrations are going to look like the ones on TV. Right. And they never do. Because well, mine, mine said, look like the one from Chevy Chase's vacation. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, they, you know, know, the they Hallmark, you're talking about the Hallmark channel. <laughs> yeah. And they never do. And here's the interesting thing is we basically know what they're going to look like because we've been to them many, many, many times. But so we really need that self-compassion um, before, during and after, you know, we're all just doing the best we can here. And can I make another comment about uh, that expectation of happiness, Mags? Because yeah. I think it's really important. If you're not feeling particularly festive and celebratory this holiday season, for whatever reason, whether it be because you have a lot of anxiety about the pandemic or because you've lost someone that you're missing or for whatever reason, you've lost a job recently, anything, you don't have to be happy. Oh, you that's beautiful. You do not. I'm Maggie and I are telling you with all of the authority invested in us as the chief anxiety sisters, we are saying you do not have to be happy. You can grieve, you can mourn, you can be angry, you can feel anything you're feeling. Just because, you know, there's people running around singing Christmas songs in your ear doesn't mean you have to sing the songs. This is something Abby and I were talking about the other day that I got a note from someone saying, you know, I always make Christmas, but, you know, this year I had a very big loss. I think it was her partner. And I'm I'm doing this, though, for my, my grandchildren. I want it to be fun for them. And, you know, one of the things that we said to her was, yeah, I, we understand, you know, with little kids, like you want to have the tree and you want it to be festive. But you can also you know, have a place where there are a lot of pictures of your loved ones. You can also tell stories about your loved one or even tell your grandchildren, yeah, I'm missing your grandfather. I'm feeling sad this year. And don't be Kids afraid to start do- to start a new tradition. Don't be afraid to say, you know what, this year we're going to do things just a little bit differently because we're missing grandpa. Yeah, exactly. And children understand that. And by the way, it's good for them to participate in that too. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that there's this whole idea that, oh, for the children, everything has to look normal and happy. And there's a happy medium there that, you know, there's some things that we do year after year that are fun. And then sometimes we're really having a hard time and we're missing someone. And we're starting to teach children about that whole emotional language. We're starting to teach that that's us showing our children by our, our actions that it's okay to be human and feel things and to then change our behaviors based on those feelings. Right. So here we come to the favorite part, right? Now we're going to talk about some real concrete anxiety management techniques. We, we talk about all these in our book, The Anxiety Sister Survival Guide. We talk about these on our book clubs on Tuesday night. We talk about these on all of our workshops and webinars. We, we basically do nothing but talk about this. Yes. <laughs> 
So let's talk about some of these concrete things that we can do. Okay. Let's start with bookending. So um, for those of you that don't know what bookending is, it's basically having a lollipop before and after the event. And by that, we mean, you know how you used to go to the doctor's office? Well, when we were kids, I don't know if like pediatricians gives lollipops anymore, but you know, after your shots or whatever, you got a lollipop. We're saying give yourself an adult lollipop of some sort before and after this event. So something you can do on the way there or the day of that's going to be something you look forward to before the event. Or at least very soothing, at least very soothing. Yeah. Yeah. That's very soothing. That might be a call to a friend. Maybe you treat yourself to a manicure before the event. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it's going to be that is going to be something really positive for you or that feels good for you. And then after the event, you have a reward to forward to. What? A reward. Definitely. Right. So you you have a reward beforehand. So that kind of helps you, you know, get in the spirit of, of doing hard things. And then you have a reward afterward because you did the hard thing. Have your dab on speed dial. What's a dab, Mags? Your designated anxiety buddies. You know, that's the person that you can call or text who can talk you down from the ledge. Yeah. And you know what's so interesting is a lot of our Facebook family members and, you know, our anxiety sister Facebook community, they're each other's dabs. And so they'll be like texting each other or Facebooking each other during events. And they probably haven't even met a lot of them. So it's interesting. It's like you don't, your dab does not have to be someone that you've met in the flesh. If you don't have a dab, we're going to be on Facebook. You can PM us on Facebook or you can, you know, write a public message on Facebook, whatever you feel comfortable with. Yes. Every year, Mags and I consider it our our solemn duty, and also a good excuse to get out of holiday events, to, to take turns being on Facebook uh, during, during Thanksgiving and Christmas. Those are, those are the two tough holidays, I think, for people. We are there on Facebook, and if you need to step into the bathroom and take a Facebook break and call your dabs, and your dabs are abs and mags, we are ready for you. We will, we will be waiting on Facebook to give you a boost. This would definitely be something to bring your spin kit to, don't you think? Yes, definitely. Spin kit is a portable first aid kit for anxiety. Just in the same way you would carry an EpiPen for an allergy, you would carry your spin kit because we believe in planning for panic. Right. So, you know, that might be music that calms you. It might be a little craft project you can hold in your hand. Noise canceling headphones that you could just put in your ears and then you don't even have to listen to everybody. That is so funny. Totally. That's my totally. So, Yeah, definitely bring your spin kit. Symptom relief. If your stomach goes out when you get anxiety, then bring something for your stomach. If you get a headache, bring something for a headache. In other words, carry things in your spin kit that not only are preparing you for the anxiety you might experience with your, with your family members, but also will take the punch out of the anxiety because you're expecting it. One of the things that I used to do when we were with our our whole family, I would bring like some books or a big board game or something to do with the kids. And so they were so excited because it was like, I was bringing something to do like a big board game or something. And then it, it was really part of my spin kit because then I could sort of focus and be with the kids. Oh, that's great. And that's, yeah, if you have kids it. in your family, that they are great to spend time with. 
yeah, they're great distractors. They're like part of your spin kit for the holidays, you know? So it's like bring a fun game along or, you know, a, a craft kit to do with them and they'll be so happy and it will kind of get you a little bit away from some of the adult drama. Absolutely. You want to know something that I do? I don't know if anybody else does this, but this is something I do. I actually have a countdown clock um, on my phone and I just, I, you know, I, I had set a countdown time so that I can just glance at it and see how much time I have left. And it just yes. feels, just feels like a little lifeline, like, oh, we only have 30 minutes left. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so not everybody likes that, but that's something that works for me. No, that's great. That's great. Something that works for a lot of people uh, and there's a lot of research about this, is self-talk. Mags yes. and I, this is another thing that Mags and I go on and on and on about because we think it's it's nothing short of miraculous. The most important voice in your head is your own. Research has shown that time and time again. So if you can actually say something out loud to yourself, that's even more powerful because then your your ears are hearing your voice, which is the most important one, most powerful one, telling you, this is not my circus, not my monkeys. Or whatever. So what does that mean? Explain that. Explain that. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Oh, it's that's just my, one of my favorite sayings. It just means that, you know what? The family gathering is, it, it's just, it's a circus and mm-hmm. I'm not responsible for it. Um, I can, I, I can be there because I need to be and I can watch the circus, but none of those are my monkeys. <laughs> they, they all get to go home with someone else. So, ah, okay. Okay. That's my own way of saying not my circus, not my monkeys, but you can also say things like this too shall pass. Breathe in, breathe out. I am okay. Right. I, I can right. do hard things. I'm not responsible for everything that happens here. Yes. Not my you know, job and- to fix this family. Right. Right. That's, that's another um, part. That's like a, it's a corollary to not my circus, not my monkeys. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I always find that when I'm walking into a stressful gathering like that, for me, it helps if I've written some of these things down. So I've like written down this two shall pass or not my circus, not my monkeys, whatever I want to write down. Because what happens is I go into fight, flight or freeze. I know that. And so I forget a lot of these things. So if I've written down like a a soothing saying for myself, I can go into the bathroom. I can take it out and I can say it a few times to myself and it really helps center me and calm me. Speaking of going to the bathroom, we are big believers in taking breaks. Yes. Okay. So after, let's just say 30 minutes of the circus, feel free to take a quick walk outside, step into the bathroom and, you know, watch a a video on YouTube of cute kittens. That always makes me feel better. Or quickly dial up your designated anxiety buddy and say, just needed to scream and then I'll be fine. Give yourself that few minute break. And if you have to do that every half hour for the whole gathering, that's okay. So those are our big concrete ones. Bookend the event, bring a spin kit, uh, have your designated anxiety buddy at the ready. Say, listen, I'm going to this family gathering tomorrow at three o'clock. Will you be around so that I can just call you if I need, you know, a pep talk? Facebook us. We'll be happy to be your dab for for a holiday or any other day. Oh, one more thing. I'll I'll, I'll be a party pooper and mention one more thing. Okay. Um, Okay. Here's the bad news. Drinking alcohol in the end is not going to be your friend in terms of Mm. dealing with anxiety. It's always your friend in the beginning because it has a sedative effect. 
Right. So, so, you know, so after the first few sips, it always seems to help. And then later it doesn't. So we, we are big believers in avoiding excessive alcohol. It, it ends up lowering your own agency, your own ability to control things. And uh, we're, we're big believers in staying away from the excessive alcohol, even though there's a lot of us who, who think to ourselves, oh, if I just get good and drunk, I won't have to deal with it. But you will, and your feelings will still get hurt, and you'll have less control of your emotions and won't be able to figure out how to use all your anxiety management techniques. So right. that's, our, that's our plug for avoiding excessive alcohol. That being said, if you need a Xanax or a... Or a drink right beforehand, and you're not, not driving. both, but not both. Do not mix not both. Oh, please, not not both. And if you're not driving, but Abby's right, you don't want to get to the point where you're drunk because it it really lowers everyone's inhibitions. Oh, and in a family that is dealing with a lot of conflict, sometimes that's not good. That being said, you can also eat the whole pumpkin pie though. Or oh, we recommend that. Like that. Oh, eat as yeah. much pie as you can get your hands on. In fact, if you can take the pie into like a hiding spot. Yes, that's ideal. That's ideal. You know, in fact, call your designated, designated anxiety buddy and have a pie party. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we um, hope you enjoyed this BFF cast on managing holiday anxiety. And uh, like I said, Mags and I will be on duty during the holidays on Facebook. So you can direct message us. You can, uh, you can always email us at absandmags at anxietysisters.com and we will get back to you as soon as possible. We answer every email. So if we haven't responded to you in a few days, then we didn't get your email. So, Right. And really take some time beforehand and do some planning for yourself. Even if you just take a few minutes and jot a few ideas down for yourself, it really, really makes a big difference. We've done this. We know this. Yes. Make that holiday bingo card. I'm telling you, it will change. That is great. It will change the whole thing for you, especially if you can let someone else in on the bingo. And so they have a card too. Then you have a competition. See, you know, it's really fun. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. My husband and I do that. It's really fun. That is fun. Okay. Announcements. We have announcements. Buy the book, The Anxiety Sisters Survival Guide. You, You can get it on Amazon. You can get it in a bookstore, Barnes and Noble. You get it at Target, Walmart. Um, you can get it at your local independent bookstore and it really would make a great holiday present for someone who suffers from any, any type of anxiety, either mild or extreme. We think that it it really is helpful to everyone. Uh, also can help people understand anxiety. So maybe a great gift for some of those difficult relatives who don't seem to understand what you're experiencing. Anyway, we are, would be so appreciative if you purchased the book. And if you do between now and January 1st, you will get a bonus guide to soothing yoga poses. Right. What you want to do is if you buy the book between now and January 1st is just send us a proof of purchase, right? To our email. at gmail.com. It's on our website. Um, Where can they find us, Max? They can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on our website, www.anxietysisters.com. But Abby's going to say, I should say, www.anxietysisters.com. As always, if you have feedback, especially compliments or questions or an idea for a podcast, please email us. And if you have bought the Anxiety Sister Survival Guide and you have liked it. Oh, please, please let us know by leaving a review wherever you bought it. That would be so helpful. 
if so you like us. So if you're having a difficult holiday gathering, you can duck into the bathroom and review our book. Oh, that's such a good idea. In <laughs> fact, bring our book to a difficult holiday gathering. Maybe, maybe give our book to difficult family members at the holiday gathering. Yes, exactly. So we want to thank you for joining us. And remember... Anxiety, anxiety sisters, sisters don't, don't go it alone. God, we'll never, ever get that, Maggie. You've been listening to The Spin Cycle, an Anxiety Sisters production. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.